Right, Let It Be is the 12th and final studio album and piece of crap forced on us by uh, corporate masters that we must all inhale. Uh, by the English rock band, The Beatles. It was released on 8th of May, 1970, almost a month after the group's breakup, in tandem with the motion picture of the same name. Rehearsals began at Twickenham Film Studios in January 1969 as part of a planned documentary showing the Beatles' return to live performance. The film rehearsals were uh, marked by ill feeling, leading to George Harrison's temporary departure from the group. Let It Be was ultimately assembled under American producer Phil Spector in the early 1970s. 1970, really. So Spector applied orchestral and choir overdrubs to four tracks, and these additions offended McCartney. The album topped record charts in the many countries. However, the critical response was generally unfavorable. Ah, Brad, did you watch the Get Back Peter Jackson doco extravaganza? I did, and it went something like, "Hey, John, where's where's George gone? Oh, George has done fucked off there, Paul." <laughs> this is essentially what it was. It was good times. That was my awesome Beatles accent. Can you tell I'm uh, um, accent master? No, no, that didn't come through <laughs> at all. Did you watch all uh, three episodes? I I did, and uh, being a, a pretty mad, do you call yourself a Beatle maniac? Is that a thing? Um, I enjoyed it, but it was long. Like if you're not, if you're a casual Beatles fan. Get Back is not for you. It's like nine hours of watching four guys be pretty crap and write songs and bicker amongst themselves and then pull it together for a 20-minute rooftop concert. That's what Let It Be is. Hmm. I heard people saying that they're much happier than they thought what what they were led to believe. There's definitely some joy there, don't get me wrong, but it's you can see that none of them really want to be there and it's been forced upon them. And like like you said, George leaves because he's just over it because it's when you watch it, it's just painfully crap. Like you look at it and go, oh, yeah, the Beatles, mate, you know, the, the greatest band of all time, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the first three hours is them sitting in a room going, Oh, I've got a bit of a song. Let's play that five million times. And Ringo, like, can tell he just wants to smash his head against the wall. Well, then again, he's probably just happy to be there because he's Ringo, right? So they came in with no material. They're all supposed to write the album in three weeks, was it? Yeah. Yeah. They were meant to, like, write and uh, not record, but rehearse the songs. And then perform like 12 to 14 songs, learn them all, rehearse them all, and then play them live in a live concert and record the concert. And that was meant to be the album. And it just never happened. It just, the enthusiasm wasn't there. Paul was just forcing everybody to make music. And it, yeah, it's a fascinating watch in that, you know, the description of it, even the original Let It Be was this is a documentary of a band breaking up. Not so much when you watch this version of it, it's watching a band who's just 
kind of tired of what they're doing and maybe needed a bit more direction, you know, like they'd lost their manager. They were just over it, you know. Paul had found Linda and John had so found Yoko. What happened to the manager? Where'd he go? Uh, drugs overdose. Oh, really? Was he the gay one? Yeah, Epstein. So that was just after Sergeant Pepper. So he died. Now went, oh, what are we going to do, John? Oh, let's go to India then, mate. Let's get spiritual. And they went to the Maharishi thing, and they wrote the White Album. And then after the White Album, I guess they had Hey Jude. And then it was like, right, what's next? Okay, we've got a, um, you know, we're contracted to do one more movie. So they thought, all right, we'll just do it with a live show and we'll sell the movie of the live show. And uh, and that's what it was. So George Martin's a long-term producer. He's done every other album. He wasn't producing mm-hmm. either. He was, he was there. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he what's the quote um produced by produced by um, george martin overproduced overproduced by by, that's it and i think that's a fair comment at least on those four songs like when i when i think of this album you know it was interesting for me hey where did he go that's the question oh who are we talking about george martin why didn't he produce just, it? Why didn't he stick around? Because it was a piece of dog shit that they never finished and they dropped it. And then Phil Spector picked it up later on to polish the turd to put it out because they needed another album. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the things. Like when you listen to the album, I've heard the BBC live sessions of the Beatles and they're playing a mm. super tight. Yeah. And then this let it be the actual album is it, we're just listening to the rehearsals and it's like they're sort of still learning the songs and it's pretty rough mm. and all yep. over the place and Phil Spector yeah, was okay. trimming the songs down in the edit to like cutting parts out and tightening the songs up because the song yep. arrangement was a bit loose and yeah, honestly, like like I said, and when you watch that doco, it's they're just sitting around and and like Paul's going, you know, this is my song, let it be. And they play it over and over and over and over and over again. And even watching the doco, you're like, please don't play Let It Be again. Can you just stop and play something else? So imagine being in the band or when, you know, even when we play songs, we had to play the same song over and over again for three hours. You'd just be like, fuck this. I want to get me out of here. Yeah. That's, that's what the big bands do though. You know, like, um, Something like Metallica play a two-hour concert. They've spent there three hours ding, 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 earlier ding, ding. in the evening rehearsing before they go on stage. They do a three-hour warm-up where they go through everything. And um, I've been reading about a lot of bands. They have a like a nine-to-five work ethic. You know, when they're mm. you know not touring, it's nine-to-five writing songs. They come in at nine in the morning with their lunch pal. They're, like, writing and recording and rehearsing for months before they get to making an album. Yeah. And know it inside out, make the album cut and run. Yeah. And that's what, you know, John said about Let It Be. He was just like, you know, we are you know, we're almost too good for this 
style of making music, you know, they were used to going in and creating well, essentially masterpieces, you know, Sergeant Pepper and Revolver and all the rest of it, you know, they're all classic albums, studio masterpieces. And then they stop performing live and then Paul comes in and says, right, we're doing a live album. It was only him that really wanted to do it. Like George didn't want to play live again, neither did John, and they were just like, ah, okay, this is what we do. And it was literally that. They went into a massive film studio at Twickenham and they did nine to five and they had their tea and toast and all that sort of stuff, very British. And And they weren't using... They weren't using um, proper studio mics. They were using television presenter microphones yeah. um, because the, yeah. the stems were thinner so they would look good on film. They wouldn't be in the way of the camera. Mm. Well, they did that initially. And then so the I think they had like four songs when they rehearsed there and then they moved back into EMI Studios or Abbey Road or whatever you want to call it. And that's when you can see in the footage, that's when they've got the better better mics and shut up, Dan. Let me finish. And then uh, they had all the better mics and, you know, that's where most of the album versions were taken from. I don't think anything came from the initial sessions at Twickenham. What, the Let It Be album, nothing from there makes it on to... The actual Let yeah, It Be not, album, it's the yeah, Apple Studio from, stuff. Yeah, yeah, nothing from the from the early studio. I don't think there might be one or two little jams or something, but um, no, most of it's from there. And then there's a couple from the actual rooftop concert, which is pretty badass. Um, but yeah, when I listened to Let It Be, you know, when it came up for this, I, I very rarely listened to the original release. I listened to the Let It Be Naked that came out, I don't know, 2000-something where they remixed it and stripped out all the orchestra and made it all real, you know, it's just like a straightforward recording. And it sounds great. I love it. It's got better versions of the songs. It all sounds crisp and clear um, compared to, like, Let It Be is kind of sludgy and there's all those, I mean, really, there's, what, five actual songs and then it's a bunch of filler, you know, like Dig It and... um, Geez, what else is in there? You know, all these just little short, even I Me Mine is a pretty brief thing. You know, got edited by Phil Spector into a three-minute song. Um, They were just, they didn't have anything. You know, Paul came in, had his Let It Be, his Long and Winding Road, you know, what he considered would be the hits. And then it was just sort of jams for the rest of it. Yeah, sort of like get back. Along the Winding Road, Let It Be. Uh, I like the two of us. And Across the Universe is good, but it's the worst recording there. That's a bad demo stitched together from a couple of bad demos put together. Yep. Yep. Uh, That's what I'm saying. This is shoved down our throats by the corporate overlords who was abandoned by the Beatles. Yeah. And the record company... Packaged it up and sold the crap, and sounds like no one absolutely. Was really that well, happy I mean, no, they they'd you know come off the white album. They had this film contract, so they spent the money to film this film and recorded the music. So money was spent, and then they shelved it. They went, nah, that's the the worst piece of crappily recorded crap." I think that's. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's a Lennon quote, and uh, and just left it. And then they came back in and did Abbey Road, which is a bona fide Beatles 
classic, right? Abbey Road's genius. And then broke up, went their separate ways, right? Mm. And then it was after, you know, okay, the Beatles are done where they were like, shit, we spent, we spent all this money. We may as well put something out. So that's when it got all cobbled together by, and Phil Spector was brought in by John Lennon, I think, to do, to do it, you know, to make something out of it. And, you know, we got what we got. Most people think it was the last recorded album, but no, nah, it was a, it was essentially a failed project that then got polished up. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, um, Paul McCartney complained quite a bit about Phil Spector, but Ringo Starr, George Harrison and John Lennon all went on and made albums with Phil Spector yeah. uh, in their solo yeah. careers. Yeah, and and he was a guy who was just brought in to polish the turd, like you say. So he, you know, I don't know. I think it's a bit rude of George Martin to say over overproduced by Phil Spector. I mean, oh. he was doing what he could, and it still doesn't sound overproduced. Like it sounds, still sounds no, right. I mean, I mean, but the thing is, you listen to it now, and it, like any any Beatles song, it's just part of the, you know, it's part of your subconscious. You know what those songs sound like, you know. Um, so to go away and like for me to listen to that the naked version, it makes it all fresh and it it just sounds a bit it sounds like there's more intention there, even if it was sort of a half-hearted effort. And what pisses me off is that the best song from the sessions wasn't even on the album. Don't let me down is a genius song. Uh, and it was on the single, it was the B side of Get Back, and it never made it on the album. Which is just dumb. And when you watch this get back, Peter Jackson's magnum opus of nine hours, that's one of the songs they work on the most. And it's not even on the album. Mm. Idiots. What do the Beatles know? Wow. Yeah, it's just. Was it really just, uh, was it Epstein? Was it Epstein, the name of the manager? Brian, Brian Epstein. All right, so another Epstein, unfortunately gone too soon. Um, yeah. Are you are you are you drinking in my ear? Is that what you're doing? Is that you drinking V's? No. Oh, sounds like you're drinking. Oh well, must just be the Wi-Fi. Continue. Well, you're hearing it now. No, no, it was just before, just before you talked. It's a nice slappy slappy. I thought you were just drinking some V. No, you know, I'm just, I'm an easily irritated man. You know this. Um, so, Epstein, so was it Epstein's death that spiraled them out of control here? Like, put oh, them for, into for sure. For it's an obvious uh, turning point in their career where they were just going up, 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 up. Sergeant Peppers, and what happened is Eps, Epstein, Epstein. I don't know how you say it. He basically ran out of things to do because as their manager, he was the one, he was the man. He was getting Beatles shows. He was on the phone. You know, he was the wheeler dealer. And then when they stopped performing live, he found he didn't have much to do. He's bored, got into the, you know, the drug scene, the gay scene, whatever, ended up you know, overdosing on whatever and cocking it. But then, you know, the Beatles, he was essentially their, um, you know, their, their guiding light who was, you know, he was the one behind the drive to get them to do stuff. He was the one that said, you guys need to wear suits in the early days and tidy up and got them, you know, Ed Sullivan show, everything. They do Sergeant Pepper. 
and he dies uh, pretty soon afterwards, I think, maybe a week or two weeks after. Somebody can fact-check us, write in, send us an email, complain. Um, and then they did, yeah, like I said, the no, it wasn't the White Album first. It was the Magical Mystery Tour. Paul was like, hey, we're getting on a bus. We're going to make a film. Piece of shit. And only redeeming factor is I Am The Walrus. Great song. And then White Album, then the failed Get Back project, mm-hmm. Abbey Road, done. Yeah, and, and they talk about it in the documentary, you know. They're just like, we don't have, there's no one giving us direction anymore, you know. And they, they just sit there and argue about things. Mm-hmm. So I understand only the three songs on the album are full life takes. And um, mm. what's the same? Phil Spector, he edited uh, Dig a Pony down and make it tighter and better. And he mm. edited I Me Mine and added an extra mm. chorus. So he's yep. Pro Tools cut and pasting the song around before there was Pro Tools. Yep, he's doing it with tape. Um, he also added a lot of the impromptu overdubs of the Beatles talking during the songs is from outtakes that he just sort of copied and pasted on top uh, to yep. make it sound like they were being witty while they were playing the songs. Um, That's it. But it was, I mean, a lot of that stuff too was John Lennon was there during that editing process and essentially taking the piss out of Paul McCartney. I mean, you, right before Let It Be plays, John's like, and now we'd like to play Hark, Here the Angels Come. You know, like it's just, it's just taking the piss. It's great. Mm. He's being a cunt. He's being a cunt. That's what he's being. Yeah. It was, I saw some footage and it was really sad seeing Paul and Linda McCartney together. Seemed like a lovely couple. Mm. Very nice yeah. together. I remember my mum and dad were always really, really sad when uh, Linda McCartney passed away because they all loved her. I yeah, thought she was really she was cool. lovely. And Paul's she the nice lovely. one. Look, um, I don't know if you'll ever get a chance to watch it. I'm sure you'll get Disney Plus at some point, but it's, yeah. It's, Never kids for Disney Plus, scumbags. <laughs> Corporate overlords. Free, um, free Gina gonna, Carano. How are you going to watch The Mandalorian? I'm, I'm not. Screw them. Oh, shame. <laughs> Missing out. Um, but look, after what they did to Star Wars, Ah, oh, what did they do? How can you? How, how do you? how do you feed the your money every month after what Star done Wars is us? fine? They had to make their mistakes to make the Mandalorian. Everything happens oh. for a reason. Nonsense, filthy people. Yeah, that's all right. They hate sand. Um, I forgot my point now. That's sand this lovers. The, this is just the usual. What was it talking about? Ah, um. So there's like plenty of scenes of the Beatles sort of talking about this situation and and George wanting to leave and then Ringo wanting to leave or whatever. But there's a scene in there where it's like the camera's just on Paul McCartney and George is left and the band is essentially there. Like they've, they've said they're broken up and they're going to try and get Eric Clapton in to take George's place or whatever. And you can see it's just a they hold it on McCartney. And I guess this is Peter Jackson's editing prowess. I don't know. But you can just see the weight of McCartney going. You know, his eyes are welling up in the middle of this conversation. It's like, it's kind of like, fuck, you know, my whole life was the Beatles. And now it's toast. What do I do next? Kind of thing. <laughs> it's real. It's a pretty hard watch. 
Yeah, I might have this wrong, but I remember seeing Paul McCartney had depression for a couple of years after the Beatles. He just oh, lived on a farm yeah. and had trouble getting out of bed and things. No, and it's your whole life, man, from when he was like, what, 15, writing songs with John Lennon and then, uh, you know, sort of disappears. be pretty heavy. Mm. Who's... Is there any shocking new information from Let It Be? Is there anything really new come out of it? Or no, I mean just um, uh, just little anecdotes of, of more like things you've read about a lot and conversations you've read about and different versions of it to actually see those conversations, you know, and just go, oh, that's how it actually happened. Makes more sense, or it's a slight tweak on the myth if that makes sense. Um, but it was really cool, like just to see um, the uh, best described as literally a fly on the wall documentary of these four guys trying to make an album, and it's it's pretty cool, you know. And like the the way they've redone the footage, and it looks like it was filmed yesterday, you know. It's it's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. It's a time capsule, is the term. But yeah, the album it's itself, just- I guess that's what we're here to talk about. Where do you rate it in the Beatles? Uh, you know, in the Beatles catalogue, where would you put Let It Be? Yeah, I wouldn't have a clue. I don't know if I've listened to all the albums, or if I have, I haven't. That was a long time ago. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, would you consider uh, it has classic Beatles songs on it? Uh, I think Get Back... Get back, let it be, and across the universe for me would be the classics. All right, yeah, I I mean, get back is uh, is good. Uh, Let it be, I reckon, is is a classic, but it's hard to listen to over and over again. It just seems to get more boring with every listen. You know what I mean? Oh, get um, back's definitely the standout. It's still like the long and winding road, the song that they argue so much about. Oh, they added strings on. Like, mm. it's not really, it's not my favorite song. It's like, <laughs> no, it's just another sort of boring McCartney love song. I get, I get that it's, you know, if you're in the right mood, that is the song that's going to pierce your heart, you know. But if you're just having a normal day, God, it's boring. That's that's later. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We had to sing those McCartney songs in school. God, they were boring. And he was making money off the school, probably. He gets royalties. Yeah. Dig a a Pony is a song that I, I both love sometimes and find a hard listen other times. It's quite an odd song, odd time signatures and. Little changes, um, but it's a good one. I don't know if I'd call it classic Beatles, but it's a good one. Mm. Mm. Uh, Phil Spector. Mm. He's Can an he kill somebody? Cat. Yeah. So he, he, he kept an actress in his house for two years under the threat of gunpoint and finally shot her. And she died. Did he shoot her? Did he kill he her? Killed her. Oh. Killed her dead. Did he go to did he go to prison? He went to prison and he, I think he died in prison or he got out uh, died. But yeah. He seems he like the kind of guy that'd like marry his cousin or something, you know? 
Yeah, well, it depends on your cousin. Some pretty good-looking cousins out there, Brad. Have you First, seen those cousins running around? So many cousins. Yeah. And 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 it was I saw an interview with the Ramones, and they hired Phil Spector because uh, uh, you know they loved his records growing up, and they said he didn't really work in the punk rock setting because he was too slow and meticulous. But mm. um, one of the Ramones said he got invited over to Phil Spector's house, and Phil held him at gunpoint for two days before the guy finally escaped and got out of there. So yeah, mm, the moral of the story is cat. don't. Don't hire Phil Spector for your job. Bring an overnight vag if you ever visit. If if you're visiting, yeah, and just get used to the taste of gunmetal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mm. it's your own fault at this point if you get. uh, Yeah. So, any filler tracks? What would you cut out? Oh, mate, there's all filler tracks. I think of the album, there's only really sort of four or five actual songs, and then there, you know, like across the universe is a demo. Dig it's not even a song, you know, like it's it could have just been a little EP, you know, they they get back EP and and then and then get out of it. The get back, get out of it. Mm. Yeah. So you're throwing out half the album. Essentially, yeah. I think just put it put it on like you know, they could have just made either a little EP or a couple of single releases, you know. Do Let It Be and Long and Winding Road as the B-side and then do Get Back and Don't Let Me Down. And then the rest, yeah, probably just, you know, put it on some rarities Beatles album after they broke up or something. But, I mean, in saying that, people think Let It Be is an absolute classic album. Some people, that's their... It's their favourite Beatles, you know. Um, it's yeah. not for me. For some people it is. I mean, if I had to pick a favourite Beatles album, that's a hard call because I'm a big Beatles fan. But I'd, you know, you'd be thinking, oh, Abbey Road, maybe the White Album, or the Help soundtrack is surprisingly good. But let it be, now nah, I'd put that, that's, that's lower tier Beatles for me. Some quality... Mm. Um, you know, the songwriting's great. Like, let it be, get back, don't let me down. Not that, that on, that's on the album, but it's the B-side. Are great songs for what they are, but compared to the Beatles, oh, the Beatles, that's nah, not, their, not their best work. Yeah. And, like, I always like to think, oh, it's refreshing to think, like the Beatles had their 10-year uh, thing, you know, that was their, their, t- their time, and they broke up. But they, you know, you think 1969, 1970 was when they were finishing up. That was Let It Be phase and Abbey Road. And you think, oh, yeah, this is great music. But then I always think about the other stuff that was coming out at the time. You know, there was The Doors, there was Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, all that stuff was happening in 69. And that was far and away more rock and roll and progressive than the Beatles were getting anywhere near at the time. You know, so I think maybe their time was up. Yeah, when I was listening to this, I was thinking, like in the first half of the album, I really felt like this sounded like The Grateful Dead. Mm. Uh, it's that rocky, bluesy, ragtimey, jazzy kind of Bad, Badly recorded yeah. That was happening at the time, yeah. Like, and, and then it felt like it had its Bob Dylan moments when uh, oh, it's, there's something where 
one of those little segue songs with John John Lennon's yelling something out and mm-hmm. over the top, and it sounds like Bob Dylan, one of his little sure. acts you would do, you know. Yay. It felt derivative, you know, yeah. it didn't feel like the Beatles. And like, when you listen to Sgt. Peppers, that's yeah, it's incredible groundbreaking, album. right? You know, yeah, like like, there's nothing, there was nothing else like it at the time. It's pushing the, the envelope. And then, yeah, the, the envelope at some point in the Beatles' career, maybe when it was Epstein died, the envelope got sent away in the post to somebody else and they picked it up and went, we're away with it, you know, whether it was your Led Zeppelins or whoever was big, you know early 70s, maybe even the Stones. The Rolling Stones got bigger than the Beatles in the 70s, you know, like they were, they hit their stride then. They got out of the shadow maybe, you know. Yeah, they just weren't feeling it and it's crap and they abandoned it and then the record companies shoved it in the trough and made us pay, pay full price for it. Num, 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 and we all ate it up. Yep. How would you rate this album? How, how many, uh, how many, Tickety boos and cats meows. Are you giving this there, Daniel? Uh, uh, I'm going to give it a five cats meows out of ten. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I think the first time in in our recorded history, I'm going to agree with you and give it the exact same score. Our pussies are 10. aligned. Our pussies yeah. are aligned. We are um, scissoring. We are scissoring hard. I though. In saying that, if let it be, if they'd actually put "Don't Let Me Down" on the album, I'd I'd be in the I'd be in the seventh. It's worth another two points, maybe more, because that song is a banger. Um, well, could have, have should have. You didn't even but, know the song um, I'm talking about. So it's all right. Yeah, I know the song, but could have, would have, should have, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, they did. That said, I, I there's nothing really like bad there's just nothing there's just not a lot of great there's some great no. but there's not a yeah no i think that's right like the beatles the beatles are great they are the beatles and let it be just it doesn't have the it doesn't have the magic i guess that's what's missing yeah the, i don't the, know the, why they wanted to strip back and go back to their roots when they were doing so well with huge and layered and dense and clever and magical you know and they went right it was to, just it was just laziness, and they fucking hated each other. Like, yeah. just just make it simple so we can get it done and go the go the fuck home. Oh, fuck off, Paul. I want to go and bag Yoko. Go and sit in the bag and talk about peace. That was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I won't have a nasty word said about Yoko. Possibly the most attractive woman that ever walked the earth. Um, and a thoughtful philosopher and a poet and just a gentle soul and and the voice of an angel the ah oh, the singing voice of an angel like, just oh, go i've heard parts of many yoko songs yeah The passion. This podcast brought to you by drowningcats.com. <laughs> I think we're spent. We're done. All right. I think we're spent. Go and check it out. Good times. <laughs>